Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Greetings, church. It's good to see all of you. If you're joining us online, we are uh, excited that you are with us as well. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Brandon, by the way, um, and we'd love to meet you after service if we haven't met yet. Um, but I have a confession to make right now. Um, I struggle with being in the moment. I struggle with being in the now. Uh, see, I would be one someone who might, you might call like a forward thinker. I'm always thinking about the future, always thinking about, okay, what, what do we need to do today to get to an optimal future? If I'm just sitting there thinking about something, I'm thinking about the future. If I'm stressed in the moment, I'm stressed because something's not happening in line with the things that I'm thinking about for the future. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you think about the future quite a bit. And, and you know, the idea of to stop and smell the roses and just to be here in this moment now, that's a muscle I'm still working on. It's not very developed. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you, you always think about the future. Maybe maybe you're not like me. Maybe you, you find yourself reminiscing about the past a lot, like simpler times Better times, times when it's a little bit easier to kind of like get a get a wrap around what was. You think about the past, and that's where you find peace. See, when I think about the future, I'm thinking, okay, if I can uh, make the progress in the moment now and get further down the line, like maybe if I'm going through something, I'm thinking about, okay, what what can I learn today so that I can be a better me in the future, um, and maybe I can find more peace in the future because we're making more progress towards something. Or maybe some of you, instead of that, maybe you think about the past and you think, okay, that's where it was a little more peaceful, a little bit better of, a, of an experience, a little bit more uh, easier to get my head around it. I, I don't know what you do, but I do know that we are all on a perpetual search for ultimate peace. And, and, and some of us, we look to the future to find the peace. Like, it'll, it'll be here when I get to this point. When I, when I get this done, when I get this accomplished, when I, when I uh, am able to acquire this thing, I'll be able to find peace. Others of us were thinking, you know what, peace was behind us. Like, it's just everything's getting worse and worse and worse. And we sit here reminiscing, trying to get our, ourselves in a space where we can find some solace. You know, all of us are on a search for ultimate peace, and we start to ask the question, like, is peace in front of us? Is it behind us? Is it, is it there at all? Because we don't need to worry about searching for evil and frustration and difficulty, because everywhere we look, it's difficult, it's, it's, it's evil, we see darkness, we see all this stuff existing, and we, we start to wonder, is, is peace behind me? Is it peace in front of me? Is peace even here? Is it, is it possible? I know we talk about the Prince of Peace, Jesus, but is it, is it really possible to experience peace? See, I think we're all on a, a search for ultimate peace. And I believe that sometimes when we are so focused on the future, um, we miss the moment. We miss the moment that, that God is going to enter into our life here and now. He's, he's in the past, He's in the future, but He's also right now in terms of you being able to experience Him, this is what we've got 
right here and now. When we are only focused on the future or only focused on the past, we miss what God's trying to do right here and now. And I believe that as we step into Palm Sunday, which is today, um, as we look at the gospel account of this moment, God has some peace to bring to each one of us here and now. Here and now. So today's Palm Sunday, and if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 19. We're going to look at Luke's account of Palm Sunday. But Palm Sunday is a week before Easter. It's the week that leads up to uh, ultimately what we call Good Friday. By the way, um, next Sunday, we are celebrating Easter, our normal, regular services, 9.30 and 11. So I hope and pray that you'll make plans to be here, invite some family and some friends to join you. It's going to be good. We're going to celebrate our risen King. But today, we're turning our attention to Palm Sunday. So if you have a Bible, Luke chapter 19 is where we're going to be. I believe God has some peace to bring us here and now, right now. There was one of the, one of these verses when I read it, it just stopped me and, and I'm just thinking, okay, if I can, if I can, Lord, I need you to help me adequately communicate this because I want you all to see what I was able to see, what the Lord showed me. So, um, I hope and pray that you're ready for this. Luke, Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 28. Let's read together. Um, this is what he says. When he had said these things, Jesus, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the place called the Mount, Mount of Olives, he said, uh, he sent two of his, of the disciples and said, go into the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a young donkey tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say this, the Lord needs it. Now, we're going to pause here, okay? Because, <laughs> okay, Jesus says, hey, here are two of the disciples. Go and go find me a donkey. Bring it back to me. If anyone says, hey, what you doing? Tell them the Lord needs it. Now, why would they wonder what they're doing? Because stealing their donkey, Right? <laughs> Just imagine you're at home, right? You're at home on your property or your driveway or whatever, depending on what your context is, whatever, wherever your car is. Somebody pulls up and they start messing with your car. And you go outside, you go, what are you doing? And they say, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. What y'all doing? You're taking a step back because this is an extra dose of crazy, right? Not only are they trying to steal your car, but they say the Lord needs it. Y'all just we ain't going with that. We're calling the cops. Right? But this is what Jesus tells him to do. What are you doing my donkey, man? The Lord needs it. It's okay. Just don't worry about it. You know, add it to his tab. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the scripture's funny, y'all, okay? Jesus is funny, too. The Lord needs it. Okay. So they went and did it. So uh, those, verse 32, so those who were sent left and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the young donkey, its owner said to them, Hey! Why are you untying the donkey? The Lord needs it. <laughs> you know, we don't see any argument, so I don't know. I guess they were like, oh, yeah, you're right. Cool. I mean, I don't know. Uh, then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their clothes on the donkey, give him a saddle, you know, they helped Jesus get on it. As he was going along, they were spreading their clothes on the road. Now he came near the path down the Mount of Olives, and the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees, always the buzzkill, some of the Pharisees 
from the crowd told him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. So, so Jesus is entering Jerusalem. And, and one thing when you're reading the Gospels um, at home or wherever you're reading the Bible, one thing you have to understand is when you sit down to read one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, one thing that you're going to notice if you're paying attention is that the gospel writers are always trying to, pro- to, to propose, to, to put forth in front of you this question. They want you to ask this question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? No matter what you believe about the, the origin of the universe, no matter what you believe about God, no matter what you believe about whatever, like anything, whatever your worldview is, uh, the, the gospel writers are putting forth the account of Jesus, a biology of him, or biography of him, and they are wanting you to ask the question, who is this man? Who is Jesus? Who is he? Because, because from historical accounts, we can see that he existed, that he lived. And he died on a Roman cross. And for some reason, his followers who were hiding on Saturday, on Sunday, they were get, they were filled with courage and started to proclaim to the, to the ends of the earth that this Jesus whom the Romans had crucified, whom we crucified as the Jews, we crucified him. He's alive. Some reason they started to say this. They had no benefit for themselves to start proclaiming that this dead man was alive. Because ultimately, the disciples, the apostles, the ones who followed him closely, they ultimately died for their faith. Not for some wishful thinking, not for this thing like, oh, I wish he would have risen from the grave. Let me make a story up about it. No, because of what they knew to be true, because they saw him with their own eyes. And they saw him ascend to the throne room in heaven. So at this moment in the Gospel of Luke, he's, he's turning, Jesus is turning his attention from all of his ministry that he's been doing, and he's turning his attention to Jerusalem. And one of the details that Luke gives us is really significant. It seems, it seems insignificant, but it's significant. Because what we know of is that as, as he's doing this, as he's riding on a donkey, grand theft donkey, right? <laughs> Into Jerusalem, the Jewish people, if you're good and faithful first century Jew, you would have been thinking about this. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. This would have been coming to mind. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a... What's that word, church? Riding on a donkey. On a colt, the full of a donkey. So when they started to see that Jesus, the one who had been the miracle worker, the one who had claimed all these things, was riding on a donkey toward Jerusalem. They all saw, our King is here. Yes, amen, the Lord is good. He's going to do what He always promised He was going to do. And Luke, uh, in, in an enthronement scene, tells us, that uh, they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their clothes on the donkey, they helped Jesus get on it. That's what the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible that I read from, is, is saying. But other translations, I think, say it a little bit better in terms of the significance of it. It says that they put him on the donkey. In other words, they were enthroning Jesus. Jesus was sitting on this throne that was a donkey because of what was prophesied before him. And so when the people were starting to shout, Blessed is the... King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, glory to the highest heaven. They were praising God because of what 
they were seeing was happening. But there's a problem with the Palm Sunday passage. Because if you know the rest of the story of Holy Week, we know that on Palm Sunday they were praising. A few days later, they were shouting, crucify him. So what happened? Why the shift? I mean, public sentiment can change pretty quickly, but man, they didn't even have Twitter back then, you know. So what, what changed that would make them go from praising Jesus to wanting to see him die a criminal's death? I think it's really significant in terms of how they expected the king to show up. Something, something shifted. So when, when they thought of the Messiah, some of them, when they were thinking about, okay, what, what is God going to do today? Um, what is he going to do? How can he bring us peace? What is the Messiah going to do? What is the king going to do? They thought to the past. They looked at the past with nostalgia. They said, okay, we're going to see the king come, and what he's going to be like is King David. He's going to come in. He's going to be the warrior king. He's going to wield a, a, he's going to wield a sword, not a cross. He's going to sit in a palace, not in a tomb. He, he, he's, going to, he's going to shed Roman blood, not his own blood. That, that's what their expectations were. So they were looking at their political problem. And, and, and rightly so, they were under Roman occupation, Roman oppression. And they did not want that. They wanted the, the glory of Israel to be restored just like it was under David and Solomon. Right? And so the, they see the king. Oh, Jesus, he's been doing all these, these miracles. He's doing all this, this powerful stuff that only God could do. And now he's riding on a donkey. He's going to deal with the Romans. Yeah. Woo. He rides in on Sunday. But then Monday comes. And he doesn't go to the palace. He goes to the temple. Starts throwing over tables in the temple. Jesus, you're not supposed to be mad at us. supposed to be mad at them. What are you doing? Jesus wasn't meeting their expectations. He wasn't throwing, uh, throwing the, the Roman governor out. He was throwing the merchants out of the temple because they were defacing the temple, the God's house. He was dealing with his own people. All throughout the week, you know, they were expecting him to do something. Tuesday comes, no, nothing changes. He keeps teaching, he keeps... Talking about the kingdom of God. Wednesday comes. Judas is like, I'm done. I'll take the money. You can have Jesus. I'm done. Thursday comes. In the night, he gets arrested. And all throughout this time, the, the religious leaders are, are sowing seeds of discontentment, sowing seeds of disunity toward Jesus, so that by the time Friday comes, after he's had trial after trial after trial, as the Jews are trying to convince the Romans that he's guilty of treason, guilty of, of trying to get a mob, guilty of all these things, they, they get the crowd to be willing to say, give us Barabbas, the murderer, you can take Jesus and crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. They were praising him on Sunday. And on Friday they were shouting crucify him. What do you do? Do you still praise him when Jesus doesn't do what you thought he would do? Do you still praise him when you don't understand what he's doing? Do you still praise him when you don't understand what he isn't doing? When your expectations of what Jesus would do, do you still praise him when he doesn't meet your expectations? 
Because he went, they went from praising to condemning in a matter of a few days. They, they had this picture, okay, the king is going to come and he's going to solve our political problems. But as they were hoping that he would solve the political problems in a political way, in a military way, what they, what they missed was God in their midst showing them what they really needed to see. That yes, they need rescue, but it goes far beyond what they were concerned about. Do you still praise him when you don't understand what he is or isn't doing? He goes on, Luke goes on, and, and this is what, uh, what, what he accounts. Verse 41, Luke chapter 19. As he approached, as Jesus approached and saw the city, Jerusalem, in his, in his windshield. Donkey didn't have a windshield, doesn't go that fast, but you know, it's in front of him. <laughs> uh, he wept for it. Uh, he saw the city, he wept for it. As the people are praising, Jesus starts weeping. Verse 42, saying, if you knew this day what would bring peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. For the days will come on you when your enemies will build a barricade around you, surround you, and hem you in on every side. They will crush you and your children among you to the ground, and they will not leave one stone on another in your midst, because you did not recognize the time when God visited you. So Jesus is, people are praising, Jesus starts weeping because he starts to see Jerusalem and he, he, he's going to his, the culmination, the climax of his ministry. But he knows that in the midst of this moment, there are going to be so many people who reject him. And because of that, the Lord's judgment is going to come upon the, the Jewish people and on Jerusalem. And what he prophesies comes true in A.D. 70. About 40 years later, 30-some years later, uh, what he prophesied that they would be besieged, it came true. Because the Jews, they were still, they were still trying to, to, to combat the Romans. They, they rose up, they revolted, and, and who can blame them? But they revolted against the Romans, drove them out, but then what did the Romans do? They, they were very you know, militarily skilled. They, they sieged the city, and, and the Jews couldn't get out. Ultimately, the Romans destroyed Jerusalem, and they destroyed the temple. And today, the temple still isn't there. And, and, and I think this is significant in terms of what we see God doing in our midst in the New Testament. I think this is significant because what we see happening when Jesus is on the cross on that Friday, uh, what, what we are told is that when he dies, the veil that in the temple, there, there was this place inside called the Holy of Holies. This is where God's presence dwelled. It's where the high priest could only go in one time a year. And he had to, uh, he had to cleanse himself in, in so many ways and make sure that he approaches the Ark of the Covenant in, in, a, in a very um, proper way. And they had a veil that covered it. So when you're a Jewish person, in order to worship God and, and, and to be able to be in God's presence, you had to go to the temple. That's where you had to, you had to go to the temple to worship. Okay, But when he was on the cross and he died, the veil that surrounded the Holy of Holies and, and, and kept God's presence there was torn from top to bottom. God said, I'm unleashing my presence upon the people. That no longer do you have to go to a place to worship me. 
But no, because of Jesus, because of what he did, so if you surrender to Jesus and you, and you just give him your life, then what happens is the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, dwells inside of you so that we no longer have any kind of need for a temple, any kind of need for four walls of a building that is God's house. No, you are God's house. You are the temple. You are the place where God dwells. He dwells here and now, wherever you go. Now we worship him in spirit and in truth. And so it's significant. We see this coming true in AD 70. You can look it up. It's in the history books. Jerusalem was destroyed, just like Jesus said. But when I was reading this, y'all, before he gets to that point, um, it stopped me in my track. Verse 41, as he approached and saw the city, he wept for it. Again, the people are praising him. And he's weeping, saying, this is it. If the, the Greek here is an emphatic you. If you knew this day what would bring peace. If you knew this day what would bring you peace. I, I can just imagine Jesus on this donkey looking at this city of, of filled with people whom he created. He knew all of the, the follicles on their head, every freckle on their face. He knew everything about them. He knows all of their secrets, all of their sources of shame. He knew all of it. He knew every single thing about every single person. He handcrafted them. And as he was going into the city, it was designed to be a city of peace. To save them from their sins, they rejected him. And he knew it was coming. See, God loves each and every one of you. His will is that no one would perish, but all would come to repentance. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God we serve. He, he could have just created us and said, you know what, y'all, y'all have fun. Do whatever you want. I'm over here. I'm watching the ball game. I'm not dealing with you. He could have done that, but that's not the God we serve, y'all. He not only created you, but he's interested in you. And you know you. If you were God, you would probably be fed up with you, right? Because sometimes I'm fed up with me. And it's just me, and I'm stuck with me. But God loves me. He loves you. And, and, and he knows what we need for us to actually find peace. We've been on the search, all of us, striving, trying to find ultimate peace in our life. And this world offers none of it. If you knew what would bring you peace, can you just imagine Jesus saying that to you across the table? Sitting right next to you right now. And he looks at you, puts his arm around you and says, if you knew what would bring you peace, would you want to know? Of course you would. But he knows the things that we try to do. He knows the places that we strive for. Like, think about it. I don't know about you, but I know a lot of places that all of us, from a human standpoint, just generally, a lot of places we go to try and find peace. A lot of these places I go to try and find peace. Think about it. Where do you go to find peace? Maybe it's control. Maybe it's, maybe it's those, those like moments where you can try and, okay, I'm going to try and do this. Here's my plan. I'm going to try and maneuver this way. I'm going to try and make this happen. And if I can be in control, I feel better. And you know that this is your thing if in your life you have moments where you feel out of control. It feels like everything is falling apart, right? That's your thing. That's your thing. 
Is it, is it, uh, where you, where do you go to search for peace? Is it the past? Do you go to nostalgia? Cause uh, we all understand. We, we look at the past through rose colored glasses sometimes. Either rose colored glasses or really dark, ugly glasses. Very rarely are we able to look at the past and see it for what it was. Do we, do we look, do we look to nostalgia? Do we look to knowledge? Can we, can I just learn more? Can I just know more stuff to be able to find peace in this life that I'm living? Like some of us, we're just living in so much discontent, so much frustration. If I could just know more, then maybe that's the gap between where I am and where I want to be, where the kind of peace that I experience now, which is very minimal, but the, to the peace that I want to have, maybe the gap there is just knowing more. Okay, I got to read my Bible. I memorize more Bible verses. I just got to know. I got to know. I got to know it. Is that where you go to find peace? Maybe, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's for you, it's music. Like, and this is one for me. Like, I, and, and, you know, some of these things have a, a, a helpful sentiment to it, right? It can be helpful. You can have momentary moments of peace. Uh, you know, not going to bring you ultimate peace, but maybe, you know, you can tell music's my thing. Uh, you know, if I'm having a bad day, put those, I got these nice headphones over the ear and listen to some good rap music and the bass is just bumping. And y'all, I know that some of y'all don't like rap, okay? I know. I know. Some of y'all listen to some bad rap, okay? You just gotta let me know. I give you some some recommendations. You put the put those headphones on, get some good bass, and you just go and just mm, yes. But maybe for you, it's I don't know, Led Zeppelin, Metallica. I don't know Beethoven, Tim McGraw. I don't I don't know. Uh, I don't know who, who Elvis. What do y'all like? I don't know. Maybe for you, it's music and, and the Beatles. I, I'm just throwing stuff out here. Casting crowns? Okay, now we got to finally a Christian one. Okay. Uh, Brandon's not a complete sinner, you know. <laughs> no, I am. It's, it's just like you. Um, okay, maybe music. But can you find ultimate peace there? No. Maybe it's nature. Maybe you go outside and just, okay, i got to find the space. i gotta, I got to find the space. But... Is it ultimate peace that you find there? No. Is it, is it power? Like maybe if I could just get this, uh, this place of authority, this position of power, this position of influence, like maybe that's, uh, then I can find some more peace because then at least if it, if it messes up, it's, all, it's up to me. It's, it's, I, I, it was my fault. So I'm in, in charge of my own destiny. Maybe for you it's money. Like if I could just get this raise, if I could get this amount of uh, money in the savings account, I'll feel more at peace. If I could just get this kind of thing invested in this right thing and maybe hit this cryptocurrency and maybe you can go to the moon and, and then I can, I can have more options. I don't have to worry about as much stuff. I can have peace finally for the first time in my life. Maybe for you it's isolation because you've lived a time or two. You've, you've been in a relationship with some people and some people have let you down. You're like, you know what? Uh, People, nah. My happy place is by myself. Let me just go there. Maybe for you it's uh, weapons. If I can just get enough enough weapons and ammo, then I'll feel more at peace. Because then I'll be able to protect myself against whatever comes against. Maybe it's lots and security systems. If I if I have this, it makes me feel. At peace. Maybe for some of you, this is a weird one, um, and, and I resonate with it, and that's why I know it so much, is anger. You go to anger to find peace. Here's what anger will do. Like, you know, there's a lot of things to be upset about in terms of the world, because we see a lot of bad stuff. And it's, it's, it would be wrong to feel good about bad stuff, okay? It'd be bad to feel good 
about bad stuff. So some of us, you know, we, some of us, we got anger real close to just to the surface. Just pa-pow, it comes out. Um, but anger can convince us because if, okay, if, if I see this injustice, if I see this thing I'm frustrated about, I get angry about it and we convince ourselves that we did something. I got angry. What did you do to solve it? Nothing. I just got angry and I feel better because I'm angry about it. Maybe I, you know, popped off at the mouth and now I feel better. Does that lead you to ultimate peace? No, it doesn't. Maybe for you it's substances, another drink, another pill, whatever it is. Maybe, maybe for some of us, and this is a really, really sneaky one, we find peace when we appease people. If, if we've got something between us, if, if I can just resolve it, if I can just bring peace between us, Maybe through being passive about it and just ignoring it and stuffing it and not being assertive and addressing it because that would just result in less peace and I just want to have some peace and I don't want to deal with it even though long term not addressing it is going to be worse for the relationship or whatever. Maybe we just appease people. We don't say no even though we need to say no. We say yes and we get frustrated about it. But at least we've got peace between us even though it's a false peace. Where do you go to find peace? See, I think in this, when, when Jesus says, if you knew this day, what would bring you peace? And he talks about this judgment and that, that it's going to happen because it, you didn't recognize the time when God visited you. Some of us are so busy striving to try and find peace in other places and trying to conjure it up and manufacture it on our own that we miss what God is doing right here in the midst. Of now, of here, this moment is what we've got. And sometimes we miss it because we're so busy focused on the past or focused on the future that we don't see what God's doing right here and now. I think there's this uh, old saying. It's old for me, so it's relatively old. Um, don't, young people, don't, don't call me old. It's fine. Don't look at the jaw. Um, Back in the day when we were in school, we had the saying. I don't know how far back it goes, so maybe the Gen Xers can tell me if y'all had this too. Uh, but, you know, back in school. Put yourself back in school. All right? All right? Some of you took a minute. Okay, now we're there. Okay. <laughs> that was good. That was, just, that was from the Lord. I'm just kidding, y'all. All right? <laughs> okay. All right, so we're back in school. And, you know, you got bullies. Some bullies like to talk, Right? And, and we've all seen this scenario, right? The, the kid who talks a lot, just running their mouth, just running the mouth. And they start talking to the wrong kid, the one who's more quiet, doesn't talk a lot, but, but he gets to a point just talking and finally gets to a point where like, okay, you need to, you best recognize. That's the word. That's the phrase. You best recognize. If you keep running your mouth, you ain't going to have a mouth to run in a minute. Like, cause, you know, just kids, that's what we do, right? We just annoying each other, whatever, you know, taking out our pain on each other. And you best recognize that if you keep doing this, you need to read the room, kid. It ain't going to work out for you. You can tell I went to a fun school, y'all, okay? <laughs> Miami Middle School, yeah. Um, so, I, I, not that Jesus is saying I'm going to punch you in the mouth, okay? Even though sometimes I know that's what I need in the name of the Lord. 
for Jesus to just smack me in the face. But <laughs> um, I think in this moment, like there, we all get to a point in our life where God says, you best recognize. In other words, hey, you've been just, you've been just playing around. You've been just half-hearted in your commitment to me. You've been in a little. You've been out a little bit. You're not really committed to me. You just like, because, you know, you go to church, and it's like, that's what you do. You, you don't really serve me. You're not obedient to me. If you love me, then do what I say. But, but some of us, you know, we've just been, like, friendly with Jesus, and Jesus wants us to be surrendered to him. Like, it's one thing to be friendly with someone, but it's another thing for you to be surrendered to the one you call king. And that's what he calls us to do. And and some of us, the reason why we've not been experiencing peace is because we've not surrendered to him fully. It's because we've not noticed what he's doing in our midst. It's because we've been being disobedient, trying to do stuff our own way, trying to think that we've got a better plan than what he's trying to do in our life. You best recognize because it, it, we, we all have a, a finite amount of time on this earth. Let's all just step back and, and just take stock of what's most important. That's what Jesus is doing. You best, I wish you would know that this day what would bring you peace. Because you're acting as if this other thing will and, and it's, you're just missing it. If you knew what would bring you peace, Jesus I think is just saying to us, you're searching everywhere else. But you need to recognize that the place you can find ultimate peace is at the feet of the feet of the Savior. It's at the feet of Jesus. The search for ultimate peace. Your search for ultimate peace ends at the feet of Jesus. And until we can get that, God is saying, you pass right. Like, when are you going to see it? Don't be the person who's so focused on the past or so focused on the future or so focused on how you're trying to conjure it up in the present that you miss God in your midst. God is here. He wants to do something new in you right now. I don't care how old you are. If you're still breathing, you're still alive, then God's not done with you. I don't care what your past has been. You got all these things that maybe, oh, here's the reasons why God's not going to use me. Here's the reasons why God doesn't love me. Here's the reasons why uh, God's not going to use me in this particular way. You got all these objections. uh, And and God is just saying, hey, do you trust me or not? Because I'm bigger and better than all of your uh, excuses that you've got. God still wants to work in you. God still wants to move in you. It may look different today than what you thought it would when you thought about it 20 years ago. It may look different. You may be in a different place than you thought you would be. Life may not have turned out how you would have made it turn out if you would uh, be in charge of the script. But here's what I know. God's here with you right now. In this moment, we can get so focused on the past or so focused on the future. I'm preaching to myself right now that we miss what God is trying to do to you and to me and with me and you right now. This is what we have, y'all. This moment. Take a deep breath. This is what we've got. It's here. The Lord is here in our midst and he wants to do something new. He wants to bring you peace. Not just someday when. Not when all the things line up the way you thought it would. But right now, in the midst of the mess of our lives.
So I got three actions that all of us can take to step into the peace that Jesus wants for us. They're real simple. Number one, obey him. So many times we're so focused. I got to read the Bible more, which you should. I endorse it. It's good. Read it more. Most of us need to read it more. But what we need to do also is like obey what we know. Obey him. Obey him. Y'all need 17 more memory verses before you start loving your neighbor. Just go love your neighbor. Y'all need to say, okay, I need, I did a word study of the word serve all throughout Old Testament, New Testament. Here's the Greek. Here's the Hebrew. Here's the Aramaic. Here's what Jesus said. Here's what the Apostle Paul said before you start serving. You don't need it. Just obey him. Before you start honoring your spouse as the Lord would have you. Just obey him, y'all. Obey him. Number two is to notice him. Notice him. This, this is where it grounds us to today. It, it grounds us when we remind ourselves, okay, he's here with me. We practice the presence of God. We remind ourselves in this moment, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how awesome it is, no matter how m- just middle of the road it is, he's with me right now. And we start noticing, okay, Lord, you're with me, Holy Spirit, indwelling me. Um, what do you want me to do? What are you teaching me in this day? When, when the kids aren't listening and they're not, they're not doing what they're supposed to do, when, when the adult kids just kind of making some bad decisions, when the teenager just keeps running that mouth and you want to say you best recognize, you know, when, when you're in a, in a moment where there's, there's strife between you and a family member, when there's, when there's, uh, just just some tension at work. Whatever the situation is, remind yourself, notice what God is doing in your midst right here and now. Because here's what I know, that the better question to ask when you go through stuff, the better question to ask than why am I going through this, the better question is, and we can ask that question, that's fine. But the better question to ask is, Lord, what are you doing through this? What do you want me to see? What do you want me to do through this? What do you want me to learn through this, how are you shaping me to be a me who follows you more closely than I did yesterday? Notice him, obey him, notice him, and trust him. Y'all, uh, we we spend so much time, you know, trying to control our lives. Some of us spend so much time just worrying about what might happen, frustrated about what did happen, and. Just think about it. Like, is is God all powerful or is he not? Is he in your midst or is he not? Is he wanting to show you something new right now or is he not? He is. You can trust him. I know that when we think about the future right now, it, it's, it's rocky road ahead. That's what it seems like in many ways. But y'all, um, th- this, this thing called the earth, it's been a mess since Genesis 3. It ain't like it's worse today than it was before. It's bad. And it has been. But in the midst of the badness of life, we've got a good God in our midst who wants to use you and I to be his colony, his ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven here and now to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. So of all people on this earth, May we trust him. 
when, when the future seems to be frightening. I've got, uh, there's, there's a, a, a group called Beautiful Eulogy. They had a song called Omnipotent. And uh, I want to share with you some of the lyrics from their song because I think it, it gets to what we're getting at in this. This is what it says. The weakest man I know is the man I see in the mirror. But it's okay to be inferior when you know Christ is superior. Much stronger than my fears and doubts, he's the overcomer. He holds me up when I'm overwhelmed by the weight my soul is under. From the highest throne is flashes of lightning and rolls of thunder. Yet he knows the number of hairs upon my head I'm full of wonder. That the one who with universal power would be personal. With his creation as he unfolds his gracious purposes so perfectly. I was purchased by the death of Jesus, crucified in weakness. I worship a God who weeps, who intercedes for me while I sleep. Yes, I know he hears my cries. He doesn't roll his eyes, but rather he sympathizes. It reminds me that all my needs have been provided. I have no reason to trust uh, that, that I could be strong enough on my own. So I gladly boast in my weakness that Christ's power might be shown, manifested through my life to prove my faith is genuine when tested. Because in the depths of my weakness is when my strength gets perfected. Almighty God, omnipotent. You're my confidence. You're my confidence. I'm so convinced. You hold me in my helplessness. You're my confidence. You're my confidence. I am so convinced. He's the omnipotent one. He's the all-powerful one. So we can trust him in the midst of all of our concerns. Give them to him. And in the process, we'll find peace because he's also the God who cares for you and me. Your search for ultimate peace ends at the feet of Jesus, which means you've got to get to a point where you stop striving and you start sitting and learning from him. Start surrendering. Go to your knees and surrender. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I would love to talk to you about that. If you've never gotten to a point, okay, Lord, this is, this is overwhelming. This life is so much more than I could handle. I thought I could do it on my own. It's not working out. Lord, I need you. You are the king of the universe. I want to worship you. I want to serve you. With all of my life, I give you everything. Nothing held back. Every part of my life, every crevice of it is up on the table for you to take and do with it what you want. If you've never gotten to that point, and God is nudging you toward that, I'd love to talk to you about what it looks like to surrender to Jesus. Because he is worthy of our praise, worthy of our trust, worthy of all honor and praise. Church, would you stand? We're going to sing. Heavenly Father, we are um, we're grateful that in the midst of a life like this, that you are at work. You are busy doing things in us through us, around us, in other people, all across this world, that you are having your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You are bringing your will to earth as it is in heaven, and you invite us to be a part of it. God, when we get so overwhelmed, when we get so frustrated, when, when we're holding on to bitterness from the past, when we're, when we're just racked with, with frustration and, and, and fear for the future, when we're just focused on trying to control things and manufacture a plan that has 17 backup plans so that we can make sure that we can be in control no matter what happens, God, would you help us to let go of all of these concerns and hand them to you and let you lead us on what we should do in response. 
God, we're grateful that we live in a world that we can join in the work that you're doing. You didn't just save us to bring us to heaven because we'd already be there if that were the case. But you saved us so that we could be people who show others what it's like to find hope and where they can find it. Help us to be those people, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.